Okay, what was the longest run from scrimmage by a rookie in his first game? Alan Amici. Hey, he heard that in here. I'm disqualifying this question. I knew that. 79-yard run opening That's day. That's good, Shreve. You blew that one. Oh, I'm sorry. I got excited. It's one of the few I questions that, that I knew. Sorry, Elise. How many more? I don't know. I lost count. Elise's mother's on the phone. How's she doing? The guys think it could go either way. Either way. Okay. Can I go to the bathroom? No. Okay, the Colts signed him a Heisman Trophy winner, decided to play in Canada. Now, however, he plays for the team. What's his name? Heisman Trophy winner, L.G. Dupre. No, Billy Vessels. Oh, I should have known that. Should-haves don't care. Vessels, out of Oklahoma. She could have racked up some points I have on no that. no idea what the score is now. You want to bet she goes down for the count? Last question. The Colts had a team here, lost the franchise, then got one from Dallas. What were the colors of the original Colt team? Ooh, ball buster. Colors. The original colors? Also my question. Green and gray. Right. Whoa, whoa, what a scrap. <laughs> Tough question, she pulls it right out of the bag. <laughs> Very impressive. Okay, total's coming up. True and false, 72. Multiple Killer choices. Choice. Very confusing. Short answer. 64. What do you think? I don't know. Pick him. Cliffhanger. 63. 63. Eddie, I think you better check that again. I don't think you added it right. I checked these figures very thoroughly. What do you think he'll do? He'll give them to her. Good sportsmanship is worth two points. Eddie, what about the Alan Amici question? I knew that one. The marriage is off. Baltimore in town. Bears have lost six straight games. Harbaugh's pass off of Michael Jackson. <laughs> Intercepted by John Pythagoras Theory. He returns it to the 43-yard line. Bears kick a field goal, 3-0. Second quarter, same score. James Allen, cut in training camp, signed to the practice squad. They trade Bam Morris. They activate him. Who is this guy? Let get him go all the way down to the one foot line. Bears score a touchdown, make it 10 nothing. And Ray Lewis is a good player, but sometimes got tangled up. Well, you go back to the snap, you see him first get tangled up with the umpire, and then Ty Halleck comes to clean up to spring James Allen down the sideline. Look at James Allen, Fogg's little brother. Some home improvement by Allen. 54 yards out of the Ravens, 16. He had 135 yards in the first half, 163 yards in all. And poor Lewis. Yeah, Ray Lewis this time coming on what we call swoop two holes removed to the outside. Doesn't come quite tight enough. And you see again Allen off to the races. Steve Stenstrom won't make him forget Sid Luckman, but he hits Curtis Conway. And the Bears are blowing open the game at 17-0. With the score 24-0, Harbaugh, play action, roll, throws to <laughs> Michael Jackson. It's a touchdown, but no, illegal forward pass. And this is the way it's been for the Ravens this year. Benny Thompson. <laughs> hey, the Bears have lost six in a row, but at least they broke through today and win it by the count of 24 to 3. And they were pretty rough on Jim Harbaugh.
Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap with Mike Donahue, and this week we are remembering uh, Raven's crap, which I don't even know what that looks like. But Did Edgar Allan Poe describe Ra- Raven crap? Quote the did. Raven, what is it? The Raven's crap nevermore? Yes. Something like that. <laughs> okay, uh, so... Um, you can, you can subscribe to this podcast at discipio.com. Uh, uh, you can sign up for the Point of Exercise newsletter, and for the next, well, I don't know what day, but uh, up until next, the Monday of Thanksgiving week, you can sign up and get 20% off. Because that's, that's the, just the kind of 20, guy I am. Tw- 22nd of November, folks, for uh, for those of you that have, need a mnemonic device. All right, it's 23rd. It's Tuesday. Shot. It's, it's Tuesday. My bad. I'm no, it's my bad, because I told you the wrong day. Um yeah, I, I did a it's a I did a flash sale because Cubs.com was down yesterday. I and saw I was that. like, hey, if they're gonna be down, why isn't everybody just coming to pointless extras? That's all the cub news you're ever gonna need. I'll give you twenty percent off. You're a regular Earl Shive, Andy. And uh I'm going to um you're Wednesday night Andy. or no this is Wednesday. So Thursday night I'm gonna be on the entire hour on All In with Chris Hayes on MSNBC. We're just talk bulls, Kudos. I think. Because he retweeted the <laughs> newsletter today, I assume that's why he wanted to do that. So that'll be fun. Uh, so you selling anything? You got any? Uh, oh, I, actually, I have one more thing. So I, there's an Instagram now for uh, pointless exercise. Um, you can blame it on the fact that so the 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 company that that um, that hosts the podcast for free, Anchor, which is owned by Spotify. So I keep expecting the Swedes to swoop in and give me a big check and just take over the podcast. It hasn't happened yet. Any day now. They had this uh, series of, uh, of webinars last week for all of us very promising uh, podcast uh, hosts. And they were going through all these things that we should be doing. One of them that I wasn't doing was uh, I need a Facebook and an Instagram for uh, pointless exercise. And fuck if I'm going to have Facebook. I know Facebook owns Instagram, but I decided we'll, we'll start an Instagram. So it's up there. It's pointless exercise one. Somebody apparently has pointless exercise. So it's pointless exercise one, the number. Uh, and uh, for the first, until we, uh, when we get 200 followers, we're starting this from scratch, somebody is going to win their choice of any t-shirt they want in the uh, Discipio pointless exercise store. And there's some great ones. There's, of course, there's the mediocrity by design shirt that you like to wear around um, wherever. Hopefully with pants. <laughs> Do you wear pants with your shirt? I wear it inside the house, outside the house, and, you know, obviously pants are on outside. There's a, there's a Justin Fields shirt. It's a, it's boner time, and the uh, the I in time is is the one. And uh, basically right after I put that out, uh, obviously shirt's completely ripped it off. It doesn't say boner time, but they, they did the same thing. <laughs> um, and then, um, like I, right now, you can't see me, but I have my in-play runs shirt on, which I I enjoy. And I have one that says, your favorite team sucks, which I also like. Um, I think my favorite, the next I, one I'm going to buy for my, I have to buy my own, uh, is the one that says, the bases are loaded, and so am I. Let me get that for, get ready. That's for a hairy one. A little hat tip to Harry. Yeah. Or no, it's a, it's a Harry Doyle, actually. No, it's Harry. It's know. one of, it sounds somebody. like something either one of them would have said. I do have to say, uh, I like the idea of in-play runs. Of course, the S in runs is parenthetical, but you know we should all know what that is. But still, out in public, on a T-shirt, I like that on a T-shirt because the word runs uh, can be uh, funny out of context. Yes. Could raise some questions. People are like, oh, God, do you need, sir, do you need 
baseball. To use the <laughs> facilities. <laughs> Out of my way. <laughs> I thought of this shirt when, um, remember when baseball did uh, players choice or players weekend and then the players could put anything on the back that they wanted. And Brad Boxberger put an emoji on his. He did. He put a box and a burger. He did. Uh, yep. That was pretty clever. Um, I Some hitters should have put in play runs on the back of their thing. <laughs> and if you're a pitcher, you could have put in play outs on yours. And if what if you're Shohei Otani, you could have done both. Like if you pitched yeah. on Saturday night, you wear in play outs. And then when you DH it on Sunday, you wear in play runs. But nobody did it. So uh, you go to the point of exercise store and you just buy it. So, All right, so that's, en- that's enough of the plugs at the beginning. I like it. And People I, have I'm just hit 30 it. like four times on their podcast <laughs> player, and they missed it all. Those assholes are still talking about it? Yeah. That's why I'm dragging it out. So you, you'll think it's over, and you'll be like, oh, fuck it. I'll just listen. All right. Fine. You need bumper music, I think. Like, to, to let people know that we've stopped with the plugs? <laughs> yes. All right. So uh, it's Bears-Ravens. And it's not a, there's not a long history of the two teams, but that's probably because the Ravens aren't really that old. If you separate them from their, if you do things right, they're not that old. And and that's, well, that is how it has been established is that for all intents and purposes for statistical, you know, probably most importantly, just documentation purposes. If you look at them, they are one year or what? Uh, yeah. One year, uh, younger than the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Carolina Panthers. They're an expansion team from 1996. And that's because uh, in spite of the fact that they have a lineage really that, you know, goes all the way back to 1945, the Cleveland Browns, we've talked, talked about that before, Um, you know, in, in, in spite of, in spite of going back there, the fact that the move was so unusually provocative, that uh, that everybody was so outraged at the poor, slobby citizens of, of Cleveland that um, they basically punished Art Modell and told him, you can't take these trophies and records and well, what have you with you. You have to start fresh. Was wasn't how- it because when the Colts, when Bob Ursay, in a drunken rage, uh, fired up the Mayflower trucks in the middle of the night, that after that happened, the NFL was like, you know, we really should have made, we should have let Baltimore keep the Colts, like the name and the records and that kind of stuff. And so when the next team that did it, which would have been uh, Art Modell and the former Browns, they basically said, if you're going to move, you're starting over. So that was established ahead of time? Yeah, I think he, I think he knew before they went that oh, you're going to have to pick all new stuff. Um, but he got to take his, you know, the most important stuff. He got to take his actual players. Well, he did right. not, however, it's, take his coach. The, uh, the, which the might future. have been a good idea, considering he fired Bill Belichick before they moved. Yeah, and we've discussed Belichick had a kind of a, de- a slightly above average run in his what would be his first head coaching uh, gig after he jumped out of the Parcells tree. One playoff appearance. I think the whole thing, it was na- it was nasty. I remember the Baltimore, I think what made it nasty, of course, it, it, unusually, as I alluded to, is I, it's got to be the first time, at least in football, it may have been, it may have happened with the Dodgers and Giants, where this, 
announcement was made to tr- move a team out of a city during a season. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's. Yeah, I mean, the last Browns game in Cleveland, the fans knew that was it. And we're like ripping seats out and the, throwing stuff. Whatever and... remaining 3,000 fans that were still, you know, care to go. Where Right. When the, when the Colts left, it happened after the season was over. Well, just... And it's actually, it's, the narrative is that they did it literally in the middle of the yeah. night. Um, as well. You can still see that whenever they talk about it, ESPN breaks out the same footage of the early dawn, like the last Mayflower trucks leaving in the snow. It's barely, it's dawn. And the last one is finally leaving because they they had all scooted already. They had to pack up and go. Yeah, Bob Bob Ursay. What a guy. Chicago guy, actually, originally. But a bit of a miser, I think. So Uh, the, the, the Browns, right before they moved, had a coaching staff that included Bill Belichick as the head coach and Nick Saban as the yeah. secondary coach. So most likely the greatest pro coach and greatest college coach were on the staff and they didn't hire either one of them to coach the Ravens. Nope. <laughs> and who did they hire? And do you remember who they, uh, who their first coach was? It's kind of funny when you think about it. Was it Ted Marchabroda? It was. It was the, the rotting corpse of Ted Marsabrota, probably at least 25 years removed from his first year as an NFL coach. Because yeah. I think a lot of people, that. and my, my impulse when I think of that is, oh, it was Brian Billick. But it wasn't Brian Billick. Brian Billick oh. wasn't sitting in the hammock reading the Rick Pitino book that first year. That was <laughs> that was the first year of Hard Knocks. That wasn't the first year of, uh, the, of the Ravens. Of the Ravens in Baltimore, yeah. And do you know who their first yeah, number Ted, one... So- who their first number one draft pick was. It wouldn't have been Jonathan Ogden. It was a hall of fame. It was a different hall of famer. Because Ogden's a hall of famer. Who the hell was it? It was Ray Lewis. Oh yeah, that's right. And wait, really? Yeah. I thought Lewis was drafted as. No. Okay. He couldn't have been drafted. As he a never guy. played You're for right. the Browns. Okay. He, was, he was a Raven. He was the first, like first draft pick as a Raven. And Belichick okay. was going to pick him. Like, you know, they were, they had obviously they were doing draft prep. As the season okay. was winding down, it was preliminary, but he that's who he wanted, and then that's who they ended up taking. Now, I say that very confidently, and now I better look that up to make sure. You said right. Belichick would have taken him had Belichick still been with yes, the franchise. Yes, he would have taken Ray Lewis. So, like, kind of nullifying this butterfly effect that at least if you had Belichick, you still would have had Lewis as a rookie. I mean, I don't know how much better Lewis would have been, but... Uh, again, nobody you know would have predicted that Belichick would become what he did. He was obviously a smart guy and a good coach, but it, it felt like that season when Modell oh, and made the announcement. I was I, I was Go wrong, ahead. and you were well. We were both kind of right. They had two first round picks in '96. How about and this both, for both a draft? Hall of Famers? They picked two Hall of Famers in the draft. It's like picking. Uh, it's like picking uh, Gale Sayers and, and Dick Buckus. <laughs> they picked Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis. Except the Ravens went off and won two Super Bowls. I don't know if Ogden was on the 2012 team. but Oh, sure he was. He played forever. Uh, so, okay. No, he wasn't. You're right. He won one Super Bowl. Not. Ray, Ray won two. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it felt like uh, – it, it felt like that it, it was it was a weird – it was weird. It was sad. It was dumb. It was a lot of things when that announcement was made. Cleveland had gone to the playoffs the year before – and it just, you know, just took the wind out of their whatever. I don't even know how they were doing when it happened, but none of it mattered. The fans were angry. They didn't stop showing. Billboards were being taken down within the stadium. It was like a post-apocalyptic scene yeah. uh, by the end. So it almost felt like, well, let's just 
they, they did bring the players and they, I don't know why they, they didn't bring the coach but part. It was just like, well, let's just start over. I, I don't know how that went down or, or, or what, but I will say that in spite of that, uh, I, I would say in, in the first, you know, uh, or every, every moment since they moved uh, would probably have justified Modell's decision. You think about it. Cause they've been a pretty, uh, pretty solid franchise. Well, yeah, the biggest century. thing was art wanted, art wanted a stadium. City of Cleveland would not build him a stadium. They basically said, no, we're not going to do that. Um, maybe you and maybe you and the Dolans can figure out how to, how to build a stand of the, the, the Indians Jim. by then had built Jacobs field. That was pre Dolans. That was obviously Dick Jacobs. And the gun arena right across the street or, and they're like, no, we're not going to do it. And, um, art's like, well, I gotta have a, I gotta have a new stadium. And that's why he went to Baltimore. Baltimore promised to build the new stadium. And then, of course, in order to get the expansion team just a few right. years later, what did Cleveland do? They built a new well, stadium. I guess we'll build you a stadium now. <laughs> yeah, they. well, the Cleveland loses out there twice because the, the second iteration, we covered it because the Bears played the Browns a few weeks ago, but the second iteration of the Browns, which because of how it's laid out now, you know, with, with, with these franchises, uh, does get the benefit of a straight line to 1945, the, the, the line that I was referring to that the Ravens don't have. And, but of, the, of this second iteration that began in 1999, it is an absolute miserable franchise um, more so than they were kind of sad before they moved. They hadn't been to a Super Bowl, but they'd been to some title games, but you know, largely mediocre, but uh, they, they kicked it up a notch with this new team. And meanwhile, Baltimore did something that, you know, they hadn't done in Cleveland couple times yeah do you know where they played their first year because i didn't remember this it wasn't all tell stadium it wasn't ready for them no they played at the old memorial stadium just like the old coach where mike did get broke his fist on a on a punching a locker yeah i thought the same thing i thought well the new stadium well the new stadium wasn't ready so they never knocked it down the the orioles moved into camden yards in 92 so they I guess kept it trying to... years. There's only four years. Did the Orioles move after the Colts had left town? You want to no, no. left it? No, no. The Orioles in ninety. The Orioles had the park to themselves between uh, eighty four and okay. ninety one. Okay, yeah. So well, the Colts have been there longer than I remember. So I wonder if the, do you think after the Orioles left, they left it up? Like, well, if we're ever going to steal a football team, <laughs> we're going to need somewhere for them to play before we're. You know, it's hard to build. I mean, you can do it. You can build a football stadium and hope that a team will come. Right. Or you can say, all right, if you come, we will build the stadium. But then you've got two years probably where they got to have somewhere to play. So they had the old, uh, the beautiful, kind of like when the the Nationals, when the Expos uh, moved to Washington. Did they play in RFK? And had to play in RFK for two years, I think. While they were building the new place. Same park where a 72-year-old Luke Appling uh, hit a home run in an old-timers game. Wow. Um, yeah, so the 96 uh, – well, before we get to the, the draft, there were three Hall of Famers taken in the first round of that draft. The Total? Ravens took two. They took so we're talking about the uh, and Ray Lewis. Oh, I know. Walt Harris, cornerback. Yes, Chicago the Bears, Bears. Walt Harris. Um, we'll get to Walt in a second here. It was Marvin Harrison who went 19th to the Colts, so that just ties in the whole uh, move, switch, yeah. move town and get a Hall of Famer in the first round of the 96 uh, draft. Right. 
Um, so the Bears, the yeah, the, the Bears picked 13th that year. Lucky number 13. And Walt Harris was not the worst first-round pick. I would guess Lawrence Phillips was. Okay. Sixth pick in the draft uh, by Rams. Dick Vermeil, Weepy Dick Vermeil and the Rams. And uh, Dick looked into his soul, kind of like Jim Hendry having dinner with Milton Bradley. And decided that the guy who had dragged Scott Frost's girlfriend down the stairs of the dorms by her hair was well worth using the sixth pick on. Wow, that's a good recall. That was current uh, Nebraska coach Scott. Is he the coach or am I confusing? Yeah, he's the coach. Crouch. He was okay. the quarterback at the time. And uh, uh, his girlfriend. That's that's who him that and was. Lawrence apparently the, the uh, Scott's girlfriend apparently also really liked Lawrence. Um, and Lawrence had decided that kind of like a caveman style that he, that she makes was his <laughs> and, uh, grabbed her by the hair and dragged her down the stairs. Girl smiling. What a guy. Girl mine. That was not yeah. the only incident Lawrence had it. That was back in the good old days when Tom Osborne was doing stuff. The, the saintly Tom Osborne was doing stuff like, uh, hiding a player's gun in his desk. So when the cops came to get it, I don't know where it is. I don't know. You know, you gotta search Tom right. Osborne's desk. Of course not. Those were the days. Lawrence Phillips, that, that's a, that, I mean, that really is a sort of a burning ball that uh, didn't last very long either, right? He's been dead for a while, right? Didn't yeah. he die in jail or something? Yeah. Did he murder somebody too? Oh, probably. I'm sure. Just the all around bad. Not, to, but, but hey, to, to bring it back to Walt Harris now, like you, you set it up like he was not the worst draft pick. Well, I wouldn't think he would be, but what's interesting is that like going the other way, I remember cataloging in my head that he was arguably Wanstat's best oh, first round draft. That's pick. good. Uh, I think Curtis Conway would provide the only other competition. Curtis Conway, who of course in his third season still couldn't, you know, pull the Bears to a victory with a well. Easy the, the player picked right after him is likely a Hall of Famer at some point. Still playing? No, but I think a guy who will get in eventually. No, nobody could be playing from Eddie 96. George. Was Eddie George a yeah. Hall of Famer? Dude, this is funny. I don't know why, but I was looking at Freddie George's uh, stats today, and I, I I actually wondered, is Eddie George a Hall of Famer? And I was looking for the Hall of Fame thing. Wait, he's not Hall of Fame. He has over 10,000 rushing yards. Yeah. Um, And he was rookie of the year that year, too, I learned so, earlier today. Yeah, they took Wall Harris over Eddie George. They took him over uh, Marvin Harrison. Hey, hey, we, hey, we had Rashawn Salam coming Ray off a 1,000 yards. Andre season. Johnson. What? Look at all the talent in that draft. Andre Johnson, too? But that's Fight. not that Andre. Well, it's not that no, Andre Johnson. Can't be, can't that's be, a tackle from be. Penn State. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. Wow. 96 draft. Uh, look what we unearthed there. I mean, that's a pretty. It's got to rank up there. Only three Hall of Famers, but an arguable four. Uh, that, that's probably. The Bears? the Bears didn't have a second round pick? Oh, they did. Oh. Pat Riley? No. That was 95. Uh, for serviceable player, but uh, Bobby Ingram. Was there second Love Bobby round? Ingram. Not as much. Yeah. Not as much as. Uh, no, I guess I was okay thinking. I was thinking of somebody else. He's no Ron Morris. <laughs> no, he was not. Didn't was have like, the beard. Ron Morris had one eyebrow. I really like that. And very big one, though. And I think it was connected to his beard, too, which was pretty, pretty. Look. I don't. No, Bears didn't have a third round pick. Wani was wheeling and dealing, I'm sure. I guess. Yeah. Not as much as he would the next year. Uh, the fourth round, they took uh, Notre Dame star Paul Grassmanis. Okay, another Jim Flanagan clone. Yeah, I think also a a DV. I guarantee uh, you, um, 
was uh, our buddy. Um, I can't think of his name. Who's the grumpy scout that I'm always picking on on Twitter? Um, oh, Greg Gabriel. Greg Gabriel. Was he in the room there? Because that's a guy. Who, uh, Grass Manis. That's a football name there. Got to take him. <laughs> you either jump out of a pool or you got a football name. You got an Eastern European sounding or just a. I was waiting for Greg to go off today on the news that the Fox is bringing back the USFL. Did you see that? I did not see that. You know, Greg is waiting for the XFL to restart. Now that The Rock owns it because he, he was working in the USFL when the pandemic shut it down. And I was waiting for him to go off with the whole, oh, it's ridiculous. He did have a, um, so uh, Mike Florio, who uh, Greg Gabriel hates, hates him so much. Right? Anytime, he tw- any, he just, he's going anybody. after him like five times a week. Uh, <laughs> Gabriel, or uh, 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 Florio. Florio had a very weird uh, story this week where he was predicting that uh, the NFL will soon uh, expand. Uh, it's inevitable that the settlement from the St. Louis lawsuit is going to be a team in St. Louis. Okay. And when they do that, that, that'll get them to 33. Well, you don't, you're not going to want to do that. So you're going to want to add another mm-hmm. team. They'll get you to 34. And that one might be the London team, but they probably should have two teams in Europe. If you're going to have one, says so that makes travel easier then. Like the so now you're at 35. So they'll probably just go to 40. And he had all this reasons as to why the NFL. And sure, yes, the NFL, so of course, what, could have 40 teams. Is that a good idea? No, it's not a good idea. Me- that's why I was seeing these memes with, like, multiple choice yes. cities. Right. Okay. That's because the the pro football uh, London talk prediction that we're going to be 40 teams okay. in the next few years. Okay. Uh, I would think well. that, you know, a second team in Chicago then fits into that. Somebody to play in Soldier's Field after the Bears <laughs> move off to Crypto.com Field in Arlington yeah, Heights. Down the road from yours truly. All right. It's interesting. They can have so, – is Richie Daly still around? He always wanted an AFC team. He's around, but, yeah. He could run right. it. Ever since his beloved Cardinals left in 1960. Fucking Bridgeport trash. No, but, yeah, the um, – <laughs> The the you know you mentioned that you can't expand by just one team in the NFL or at any league, but they actually did do that to appease those. Just to go circle one more time to the after effects of Art Modell pulling out of Cleveland, is uh, the league the outrage was so strong that the league and Cleveland was able to raise funding for a stadium. The league hurried to give them another franchise, and so until the Texans came in uh, in 02, uh, it was th- those seasons. There was a bye week every week, so yeah. the season would start with all the hoopla, and I, one sorry ass team would have to sit out. I might be wrong. I think that the at the beginning was there used to be two buys, and I think There's, that was. I looked it up. There were two buys in one season. It was actually 1996. So it was. So it was a. It was that first year, right? While they were trying to figure out the schedule. I guess you're right. I guess that's yeah. what. And then I after was, they said that, I'm not going to do that again. Well, what did they? What did they, they? So they had to have had the buy in week one in '96. Or yeah, no, no, no. They had given no, this, everybody. They didn't, no, no, but they didn't expand. But all right, but they didn't expand until oh, until the Browns. But it didn't make right, any 99, sense. Right, okay. '99. '99. Yeah. But they still '96 was the one season they had two buy. I, in my memory, I thought they did that for a few years. But I, out of curiosity, I looked it up recently, just to satisfy my own curiosity. But the the, the buy itself, the first year of the buy was 1990. Uh, they never they didn't have buys before that. Just a 16 week season, and then in '96 they introduced the two week buy, but then they immediately went right back to the one week. So see now nowadays all brief, they would do is one team would have to that. play Thursday and Sunday, Thursday and Monday, 
Yeah, you got you got the Thursday night game. You got to play on Monday. You got two games yeah. this week. What? Friday, so you got three days off. But hey, that's no different though, right? If you play Sunday and Thursday, that's three days off. If you play, play Thursday and Monday, it's three days off. You got two games this week. So hey, Matt, hey, the... Coach Nagy, you can lose twice this week. That's no, but congratulations. You, you still need a second team though, right? Make it a divisional to play you, right? No, I guess. No, that would be. That's how the one the team, team would play twice, play then Sunday, everybody yeah, would have somebody team, to play. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> no, instead, uh, some some poor team had to sit out the opening week festive and the last week. Although that might be an advantage to have to sit out the final week if you're getting ready for the playoffs. Yeah. What have you had to buy then? And now you got two weeks off, and you know you're rusty. And it yeah. really worked against yeah. you. Uh, wow, wow, right. wow. Yeah, I that, I'll that, bet you Jerry Jones get, uh, volunteered to just run two teams. I think that rings true in other sports, like hockey, but I don't know about football. I don't the, know. He wanted the, he was going to yeah. have the Dallas Cowboys and the Fort Worth uh, Showgirls or something, and then they he would have just he would own both teams. <laughs> just give me I'll you know what guys, I'll take one. Just give me a second team. It'll be fine. Right. Sorry, I know it's a real burden, but I'm willing to bear it. Yeah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, the NFL. They. Such a well-run bunch. Off the top of your head, Andy, would you recall the very first time the Bears played the Ravens, or have you already looked it up? I don't remember anything about it, um, but I know it was in 1998 because it's on my list here. It uh, is. Oh, December. it is. Oh, I would have. I would have gotten it wrong because I would have thought 01, but I, now I remember the 98. December game. 20th, favorite. 1998. Oh, that's a noteworthy game. Oh, and it was a battle why. of titans. The. Huh. The three and uh, the uh, three and eleven Bears took on the five and nine Ravens in Soldier Field. But this Field is what made it this in is what a made non-sellout, it not even close to a sellout. Forty thousand eight fifty-three. Oh, and I saw it on TV. So at some point along the way, they got rid of that blackout rule. Unless I don't know, but um, yeah, they have been not... not enforcing the blackout rule for well, I, at least since ninety yeah. for a long I wasn't... time. Yeah, well, 98, I remember watching that game, laying on my couch. Bob Rorman doesn't have to buy up a big swath of tickets. to and Right, exactly, and send his employees. Uh, but they, you know, they don't even have to go. You just got to buy the tickets. But uh, I remember lying on my couch watching that game. So that's, A, uh, proof that we didn't have a blackout. But uh, as I was watching that game, I saw uh, good old James Allen, who would be a full carol a few years later. Uh, running wild uh, to the point where, you know, the Bears had nothing else to talk about. By the way, this, these are the last days of Dave Oh, Winston. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah, to, to put it into perspective, we talked about Wani last week, how his acme, his high point, his apex was the Pittsburgh game in 95 when he's 6-2. and two. He's already a defending, you know, he had been to the playoffs the year before, and it was all downhill. Uh, so it's kind of timely that we're, we're t- discussing this next because this was the, uh, I think the penultimate game of the year. It might have been the final uh, home game uh, of the season for the Bears. And they woke up and we had nothing to root for because it was just the end of a disastrous run, a long, really ugly at the, the at the end of the last 32 games. But Allen went wild. I think he was a rookie. Didn't get a lot of action that year. And reporters were just, you know, clamoring to, to get Dave Wanstatt's insight. And uh, good old Dave. Had a bucket of water, yep. telling everybody that let's not put him in the Hall of Fame just yet. Yeah, because they were giving him shit for like, how come this guy? How come he didn't play this guy right. until week? Well, I guess it was week sixteen, the fifteenth game of the season, and he runs for one hundred sixty-three yards and a touchdown. Now this game was a matchup of two of the greatest Bear quarterbacks of all time. Uh, Moses was not the Bears' quarterback. Was it? It was, no, he didn't uh, win. Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback for the Ravens. What? And Steve Senstrom. Was a quarterback oh, for the Bears. 
couple of uh, Stan, uh, Stenstrom's from Stanford, and Harbaugh coached there, right? I think probably Stenstrom's. what probably what motivated Harbaugh to go coach Stanford eventually. Ah, <laughs> oh, Steve Stenstrom. I remember playing against him. Stenstrom, nineteen of twenty-eight for two hundred and two yards and a touchdown to Curtis Conway. Might have been his single greatest game, and I mean that sincerely. The Bears' we defense held Priest Holmes to seventeen yards on eleven carries. This is pre-Kansas City Priest Holmes, right? He, yes. uh, yeah, because he's yeah, he blew up at some point. He was one of these guys that that and he also really, blew up he his hip, I think, in Kansas City, the, which is why he had to retire. He was off the radar for uh, two, three seasons, first two, three years, and then blammo. Uh, one of the great number one draft picks of all time for the Bears had a sack. No, he had interception. He had an interception in this game. They still have Zoe? Uh, John no, Theory. he was gone. <laughs> John, John Theory, Theory had a 14-yard interception return. For a touchdown or just an interception no, return? No, he set up a touchdown. Well, let's see. So no, that's another, I'm sure he set up a touchdown. No, that's another Juan Stat first-round uh, name check. He's, he fits in between Conway and uh and I think John Theory, the greatest player ever to come out of Alcorn State. Uh before Steve McNair, sure. Greatest living player to come out of Alcorn State. Well, that's assuming he's alive. Yes, yeah, so we yeah, you might want to check. Um he certainly the Bears twenty four to three. They put a whooping. They put a whooping yeah. on the Ravens. Now the Bears have had a lot of success over the years against the Ravens. It but, seems they have, right? But not the next time, which was the lid no. lifter in two thousand one. I only bring that up because with handsome Dick Duran, it was correct. The most decent man to ever coach the bears. Um, in 2001, the Ravens were defending Super Bowl champs and the bears were coming out of another sort of malaise. One, you know, Duran's job was on the line. It was almost similar to pretty much the last two years of, of Wanstead. It was just, the bears were not good in 99 and 2000. I mean, they, they weren't, good for a long time so you go into week one and like holy shit we got to play these guys and the bears held their own they lost but they held their own and that was actually like the narrative after the game uh like you know the bears actually were kind of in this game in the fourth quarter uh and as it turns out the bears had only lose two more times that season unfortunately both to the packers but uh, well they were it was uh it was 10-6 going into the third and the uh Terry Allen had a one-yard touchdown run with less than three minutes to go to make it to put the game away, make it seventeen to six. That was the final score. That's what it was. That's what it was. Bears, bear, you know. Once Ravens again, were... James Allen led the Bears in rushing. Uh, uh, this time, <laughs> well, not quite as many yards. Forty-three yards on twenty-one carries. It's one hundred and twenty less yeah. than he'd gotten the year before or two years. I mean, this is the Ravens of of Lewis and Ed Reed, and I mean, I should probably be able to name a couple. They weren't the, the Steel Curtain, but... Now, would this have been a uh, matchup of the flying Ian Badejo brothers? Because... It may have been. Obafemi, a couple. Whose brother played for the Bears. Brendan. Brendan. Yeah. Um, he, I know he played for the Ravens in this game because he, um, he had two carries. He was fullback, I think. So they may very well have okay. played against each other. Big day in the Ian Bedejo household. Well, Brendan certainly would have been on the 0-1 Bears. Wasn't Brendan a they Pro Bowler? Didn't he make? He would have been. A pro, he made a Pro, pro, pro Bowl, Bowl as teamer. a special teamer. He was a good he old number ninety four. He was a he was an excellent. Uh, was he ninety four? Nice call. I think I, so. I, I I couldn't have told you Ian Bedejo's number off off the top of my head, which is rare. I'm usually pretty good at that. Well, now um, that Dan McNeil's radio career is dead, it's up to me to try to remember all right. his numbers. <laughs> That's right. Good old number. Yeah, I, I know I, I'm okay in the numbers, but it's not actually probably my 
there are plenty others that better recall in that area. But but it was it was a harbinger that game. We hung our head on 94. it. And sure enough, it was ninety four. Nice job. Spelled uh, the sure same enough, year. Uh, Brendan with an O. Brendan. Brendan. Like Brendan. But yeah, it was a harbinger because the Bears actually, you know, their their ability to to hang with the defending the fear defending well, Super Bowl champs. I think there were uh, did th- portend well. There were signs in this game. I mean, Shane Matthews was the quarterback and he had a huge day. Uh twenty four uh for thirty nine <laughs> for hundred and thirty eight yards and two interceptions. So I mean you left that game kind of, just like think about this. So so Monday night, you know, that two weeks ago now, the Bears lost to the Steelers. A lot of bad shit happened in that game. Some terrible calls, some dumb decisions. But you left with the, the Justin Fields played so well. You were it was a win even though it was a loss. I gotta think Just, going back twenty years ago, same thing. You're like, yeah, I, I know, I know, we, I know yeah, we lost. Totally but we got a quarterback. You, this Shane Matthews threw for 138 yards and two picks. Right. He looked great. Yeah. Finally, we solved this problem. Hopes were high. Um, just to put that period of time in context, because I've got it down pretty good, but they had mercifully given up on the Cade McNown experiment after two short seasons. Uh, it would have been McNown's third uh, uh, season, and he, they told him bye-bye. And they also had Miller uh, for his third season. I think Miller may have been injured, or I don't, can't believe, because Miller would be the guy that year. He came into the Minnesota game. Uh, either oh, he hadn't, the, hadn't the cycled up yet and, on the Royce. Quite no, ready. right. Yeah, he, he, he couldn't quite play. But, you know, Matthews, is it's kind of funny and interesting because he actually was on their roster going all the way back to 93. And then after three seasons, you know, on the, you know, the not being part of the 53-man roster, but just hanging around, he went to, like, to Carolina and he came back and finally got into a game with the Bears in 96. And, like, it, his ability to, to, to just hang around was was very – it was positively Abilene-esque. Did the, he did was the still... Bears ever have Danny Werfel and Shane Matthews on the same team? I mean, that's, I can't answer that. that's an assortment of Florida two, talent. Two Florida Gators, yeah. I mean, not as good as Rex. No, Rex took but. us to the Super Bowl. But, like, yeah, when, when Gary Crouton came in with Geron in 99, they brought Matthews back, like, a third time. Well, like, nobody threw the, the wide receiver screen. Right. Like that, Shane Matthews. Very, very, very precise. And that was the Bears, of course, in spite of the uh, the laughably inept passing attack that the Bears have had, which we've picked apart and will continue to do so. The Bears and Gary Crowden actually, to, you know, it, it is a matter of fact that they introduced that actual play uh, to be in usage in the NFL. And as I, I like to say, within about three years, they're the only team that couldn't run it. Um, yeah. But that was, they, now, they caught some teams off. Now they have surprise. no idea what a screen pass is. So at all, not even a halfback, you know, traditional screen. So if you think about it, really, the Bears, even though we mock them for their offensive ineptitude, especially in the passing game, um, their gift to the NFL, the wide receiver screen, and the Philly special, which Dowell Loggins drew up and ran with the Bears before Doug Peterson ripped it off and ran it in the Super Bowl. That's a Bears play. So when they pulled it off on that Giants game after the Super Bowl, that was coming back to the Bears. Yeah, you're saying? it was just a rerun of their. That was wow. that Nagy ran that one, and that's the one that famously. So Trey uh, Trey Burton had thrown the touchdown pass in the Super Bowl to Nick okay. Foles, and the Bears call that play to. It was the play that tied the game right against the Giants, like so an overtime. They lost an overtime. It did. It did. Yep. Trey Burton, who was going through some stuff, refused, Correct. didn't want to throw the ball. 
So they improvised, and Tariq Cohen threw it instead. Little Tariq. Like, literally, like, in the huddle, they had to figure out, oh, how the hell do we run this now? Our tight end has yeah. the yips and can't throw this pass. So Tariq's like, fuck it, I'll throw it. And he did. Threw a touchdown pass. Excellent. Thus contributing to, you know, uh, the NFL, much like the T formation. Which is foreshadowing, because uh, I've looked ahead to the very last time the Bears and Ravens played. Tariq Cohen also threw a touchdown pass in that game. Terrific. All right, we're gonna have to uh, go over that again. Yeah, I, I just I, I went off on a, a tangent as we often do on the Shane Matthews, but he, he comes back in '99. He's there in 2000. McNown doesn't work out. He's still there in '01. In fact, when Miller would take the job from him, but then get hurt as 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 Jim Miller does, and Matthews was actually the quarterback in those wild back-to-back games that we've already covered, where Mike Brown walked him off. But yeah, he was like a cockroach. He was with the team for eight years. Uh, he was our guy under center, though, on opening day. And the Bears, the Bears had a moral victory against the Ravens, and it would be uh, their first loss uh, to them. So if Shane Matthews, his NFL career, such that it was, started in 1993, even though he didn't play a game not until according to football reference, right? Yeah, that means he stuck around the NFL for 13 years. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure football reference doesn't have him taking any snaps till 96. Right. But yeah, I know, I know he was always in training camp and and whatnot. Do you know who the Ravens quarterback in the opener was in 19 or in 2001? Well, Trent Dilfer, friends. Oh, no. right. No, they had another Michigan man. They had Harbaugh the first Tony time. Banks. No, Tony Banks went to uh, somewhere else. Elvis Gerbach. Wow. 24-30, and a touchdown. They had a big game against the Bears. Okay. I don't remember that. I you know, would have assumed What happened to Trent? Fun. Did they leave him at Disney World? Remember, he got to go to Disney World <laughs> because Ray Lewis, <laughs> Disney didn't want Ray Lewis killing people at the celebration. So even though Ray should have been the Super Bowl MVP, <laughs> Trent was because he got to go. They, right. the, the, the quarterback got to go like, instead of the uh, linebacker. Elvis, Ger- Elvis Gerbach, like, you know, his hands under the center, and then you, you, you caught away to Trent Dilfer riding Dumbo and, like, not knowing how to get <laughs> off. <laughs> He's stuck on the teacup still. I've got a game today, guys. No, not today you don't. Sir, stay yeah, in that's the ride. Cold. Keep your hands in that's the ride. That's cold. Super Bowl winning quarterback, hey, get lost. I mean, and not even for like the up and comer. I mean, Elvis Gerbach was certainly uh, at least about a six or seven year veteran by then. He pretty much, yeah, he was uh, pretty much about the same age. (laughs) Trent was was backing up Matt Hasselbeck in Seattle on opening day. Wow. Okay. So his last game, I like that, was a Super Bowl. His last game for the Ravens was the Super Bowl. <laughs> he only started eight games for them. So, ever. But he's 7-1. Yeah, well, I think Tony, I, mentioned, playoff I, mentioned, I mentioned Tony Banks because I believe he was their quarterback uh, that Dilford got the job for. I think Banks got hurt or something. Yeah, they kind of. Uh, it was kind of a, a stunning story. I mean, of course, they were not an expansion team, as you said. They were like a, a slightly above average team, but they hadn't really done anything in Baltimore. Their first, they hadn't made a playoffs, uh, and they are coming off a rough season. And that would have been what Billick's. No, so they're coming off a rough season in '98. But yeah, six, seven, eight, they went four seasons, no playoffs, and then they went all the way. And then from there, I think they've pretty much, you know, I would say statistically ranked up there. I mean, I don't know how many title games they've been in, but 
Yeah, so they uh, better than the Bears. Well, it helped. I mean, they they managed to have Hall of Famers all over their defense. And um, yeah. So I told you before we started recording that I'm reading this uh, this book on the Patriots by Seth Wickersham called Better to Be Feared, and it's about Brady and Belichick and their that whole run. And uh, in it, they have this uh, long thing about how Belichick um, loves Ed Reed, thinks Ed Reed is the greatest safety of all time, and just could not believe okay. the, 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 there were things they could do that they could fool every safety in the league except Ed Reed. Ed would sniff it out and be right where he wasn't supposed to be to screw up their place. And Belichick loved Ed Reed. So nice. Apropos of nothing. So the He's next time player. the Bears and Ravens played was at beautiful Soldiers Field. Yep. I was at this one. Lovey must have been in his glory. Bears won 10 6. Unfortunately, it was the same day. And I, re- I can remember this because I was tailgating. And there were people tailgating that were also going to go to the World Series game yeah. that night. Unfortunately, so that means <laughs> I was maybe the week before. With the week was because I was at, I was at Soldier Field for the sex boat game with the Vikings, and oh. that was I know the the Sox had an ALCS game that night, and they had a chance to clinch the pennant. Would have had to have been. It would have had to have been the week before. Yeah. So, is that the last Bears game you've been to? Yeah, last one I'll ever go to. Ah, I'm going to drag you out nope. there. I know. I've known. Maybe when I'll go to Arlington Heights. I'll go look at the new stadium. I've seen, I've, I spent, I went plenty of times to old Soldier Field before the yep. renovation. I went once after the renovation, just that time. Just once. It was me, my dad, but, my brother, but, and my af- nephew. After all the, Three after generations all the of us went a- to the After Bears all game. the hassle, that's pretty awesome. But after all the hassle of getting there, I'm sure even you would have to admit that at least they finally got the yeah, inside it was of a, the stadium it was, right. it was a huge improvement. It was, yeah. It was like night and day. My, my my brother, after the first time he went to New Soldier Field, and he was actually one of my two brothers, the one that was wise to this and was happy to not go to the, you know, take the tickets. I was always willing to take the tickets if they were available, right, in the family. And he's after he went to the his first game in the new stadium, he just said, can I just tell you how fucking embarrassed I am to have gone to games in that old stadium? <laughs> like, what are, can I tell you what, what an embarrassment yeah. that stadium oh, was? Yeah, it was. Um, so. Yeah, and my problem is has nothing to do with Soldier Field. Oh, it kind of does. It's a pain he has to get to, but it's really just to me. The NFL is a better product on TV. It's much more convenient for me um, <laughs> because I don't have to go anywhere. I just like if somebody was going, oh, you know, had that guy that like the most vocal bear blogger who's against the move turns out he doesn't live know. anywhere near chicago <laughs> so he's he got like, opinions he like stays at the drake when he goes to games oh yeah he's yeah like, i remember fuck, that dude? he was a new yorker he was a new yorker and i told him i said my commute will not change it'll be the yeah. same you know steps yeah. down into the basement to watch the game i just i i prefer i just i prefer to watch these games on tv i, I will say that uh, there's since we, since we got a taste of covid in all four sports that football was definitely the least weird in fact it was normal yeah watching football during covid the other games because you know baseball foul ball goes in the stands it's always a little weird yeah. and the other sports so. the the other it's sports a TV sport. there's it's a t- there's there are inherent obviously like well i've also i mean obviously you see more if you're there you get to see plays develop you see shit that you don't see on tv but 
to me, it's not that big a difference. They do such a good job of covering the NFL now on TV that you feel you know, like you don't miss anything. But when you go to like an NBA game, you're you never get used to just how fucking big those guys are, and you don't you can't you can't experience that on TV. Like the, the, the right. when you see them a few, you go a few times a year and watch them play, you you realize what ridiculous athletes these guys are. Hockey is just a better sport in person. You see everything better. It's just. Um, yep. And then baseball, going to a baseball game is more than just going to a sporting event. You know, it's kind of this leisurely Past activity. Times, and we Past have, time. as much as I hate the people who own the team, we have the, the coolest park to go to. But the Bears, even in a nicer stadium, I'm like, ah, oh, that's great. I, the game's still on TV? Right, I Good. got you. That's, so you'll go, once, you'll go once. Yeah, I will go in uh, and check out the new stadium uh, and go, hey, yeah. they fucked this up. And, what is it? and then I'll just stop. Yeah. So and then, and so the, so we pegged your last game then it was it was a week before yeah the I guess Bears it was October sixteenth two thousand five so Bears won it. yeah well the Bears were, you know so for the second consecutive time the Bears are playing the Ravens and they're playing the AFC um, North uh, it's a year in which they end up going to the playoffs as it turns out. And so the Ravens, you know, like I said, they're pretty much year in and year out going to be a good team. You throw a dart on a wall, you're going to have very – you won't find probably any uh, successive uh, losing seasons. So, uh, you know, it was early kind of early in the season, but the Bears uh, passed the test on their way to uh, winning the division for the second time in 15 years. Now, Kyle Orton played quarterback for the Bears that day. Can you guess who the Ravens quarterback is? And I can guarantee that you can't. Because I, I have a feeling when I tell you who he is, you won't know who he is. Oh, okay. <laughs> then I'm not even going to offer it up because I'm dying to hear Do you have it. fond memories of Anthony Wright? Vaguely. No, no. Nah, I don't think so. Randy Wright, the Packers. Yeah, not the same guy. No. Between uh, Lynn Dickey and... Future Bear Chester Taylor played for the Ravens. He gained 21 yards on two carries. Jamal Lewis... Led the Ravens with 34 yards on 15 carries. The Bears just shut him down. They shut him down. He was in his peak, right? What, what I, Jamal Lewis, he was. It would be he, great he if was this on, was his 2,000-yard season and the Bears held him to 34 yards. Let's see. Uh, that'd be incredible. But he was on the 2,000 nope. team, right? 2005, he didn't rush for 1,000 yards. Okay. But he was he was a rookie in 2000. Or he was on the 2,000 team, right? But he was not on, obviously. He was. No he, gained, he had almost 1,400 yards that year. Yeah, okay, but he wasn't on the second Super Bowl because he's a running back. Right. And there's no way he'd be in two Super Bowls 12 years apart. Now, he had the full uh, – Jamal Frank Jamal decided to do the whole thing in reverse. He went from Baltimore to Cleveland. He wanted to see what he was missing. So he, he signed with the Browns for the end of his career. And had he ran That's for 1,000 nice. yards for them twice in the three years he was there. So, not bad. He sounds like almost a borderline Hall of Famer. What did he finish with? He didn't have 10,000 yards, though, right? I probably did. He had, it's, he had, yeah, he had ten thousand six hundred seven. Basically, as many yards as Eddie George. Another arguable Hall of Famer for sure. So they got a Hall of Fame running, borderline Hall of Fame a running back, Hall of Fame linebacker, one of the greatest linebackers of all time, actually. Uh, Hall of Fame D back. It's pretty good. I'm, Ogden had one on the front line mm-hmm. on offense. They had uh, who's, who's the other linebacker? Suggs, yeah. He might very well be a Hall of Famer someday. Yeah. So guy, the, the, Bears, guy the Bears decided they would, you know, the, the Bears had two picks in the draft and ended up with uh, Rex Grossman and Michael Haynes. And, hey, Rex Grossman um, took the Bears. The, the Ravens Bowl. had two picks that year, and they took Terrell Suggs and Kyle Bowler. So they at least got, of the four picks, one was yes. right. Well, yeah. 
again, I, I'll never, I'll go to my graves. And Grossman was never a bust because by definition, that's ridiculous. Yeah, one of two quarterbacks take the Bears to the Super Bowl. He probably get yeah, a pass. It was, you know, he's one of like probably less than a hundred quarterbacks to do it. I always liked Rex. I always, if Rex had I didn't been, always like him. I didn't like if, him in the Super Bowl. If Rex had been two inches taller. Yeah, he had a great arm. Because he really was. You would see him do weird stuff like like throw a pass and jump afterwards to try to see where the pass went. Uh-huh. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, you're not that. You're, he was, like, he, what? So like he listed at 6'1", so he was probably yeah. just under six foot. Yeah, it's tough. He could really sling it. Yeah, he could great really for, throw for, for, But for when you can't guy. see where the hell you're throwing, it is a problem. It's tough. Worked out for one year, though, and, and for that one season, you can't call him a boss. But, yeah, Suggs of those four. Um, you know, I have no recollection of the 09 game, at least without any starting point, but I'm going to assume the Bears had to lose. Lovey was still coach, but, God, the Ravens were good year in and year out. Didn't Kyle Bowler, um, was he, he married he married the Miss America contestant who screwed up the question so bad, and now she's like a crazy anti-vaxxer who goes to uh, – um, her kids' school board meetings and berates the school board members. Is that Kyle Bowler's wife? Yeah. I think you're right. I think I saw that. Gorgeous, but dumb as a box of rocks. Yeah. I mean, I thought he was a California quarterback. So he that's... was. He went to Cal. He played for the great Jeff Tedford. So. He, honestly, Kyle Bowler is one of the reasons that um, Aaron Rodgers slid. Because people were like, well, it's the system. It's not that good. Kyle Bowler was awesome oh. at Cal. Of course, this 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 dope who played junior college football for two years before he went to Cal can't, can't really be any good. <laughs> you blame it on blame the Bears last fifteen years on Kyle Bowler. It's all his fucking yeah. Fault. Yeah, he'd have been good. Kyle. Aaron Rodgers goes to like I don't know the freaking Titans or something, and the Bears never have to deal with him. Thanks, Kyle. Why don't you go catch COVID now? What an asshole. So here's the next game, 2009, the last loss by the Bears to the Ravens. It's been yeah, I had to pull it up. I see that now. Still 12 years. In December. It was in Baltimore, which I, I think they alternate that pretty. So there's no guessing game, too. So you can even figure out where they played because they they alternate it, apparently. Um, Todd Heap lit up the Bears. Pretty good tight end. Two touchdown catches in the first quarter. And pretty old. I think Heap goes all the way back to 01. Could be wrong. Yeah. Also remember, Todd Heap has a hot wife. I remember that from one of the times they were on Hard Knocks. They showed her a lot of her. Yeah. So wait, what year did you say they were the first ever Hard Knocks the Ravens were? Yeah, their Super Bowl team was the first. And they've been on it again since. Was it the year after the Super Bowl, you mean? or the Yeah, it probably was the year after. Cause that'd be something. I think it was the year after. And I always remember there was the famous, um, two famous things from that were the opening shot was literally like I described it. It was Brian Billick sitting in a hammock, reading a Rick Pitino success book. And then, in one of the episodes, one of the rookies, you know, they do the rookie shows and they have to imitate people. One of the rookies imitated Shannon Sharp. It just, he nailed it. Just absolutely could not have been a more perfect, exaggerated, ridiculous Shannon Sharp. And the rest of the Ravens loved it. Because I think even by then they were tired of Shannon's shit. But, uh, sure. 
Wow. That's what I remember about that. And then I think it was the – I don't think he was – maybe he was a rookie that year. Whenever he was a rookie. Could have been. They showed, I remember they showed him, and his, uh, him and his brand-new wife. She was all right. Um, yeah, but uh, Joe yeah. Flacco, who's starting Sunday for the Jets, um, oh, he threw is? Uh, a couple of first-quarter touchdowns. He threw four touchdown passes in this game. Lit it up. So, yeah, the, the 9 Bears are still lovey Bears. That's Cutler's first season. Still doesn't help me remember this game, but, uh, you know, the Bears, in other words, if, if they're a lovey team, then it's not a shitty Bears team. That's one thing you can say. Jay didn't have a great day at the office. Uh, 10 of 27 for 94 yards and three interceptions. He was sacked twice, yeah. and Caleb Haney finished up. So, uh, Jay Caleb was mercifully, mercifully removed from the game. Caleb Haney was, I wouldn't have guessed that Caleb Haney had gotten action, was even on the team uh, in 2009, the year before the Bears would, in fact, make it to the uh, NFC title game. I don't remember that. No, I've tried to forget it. Definitely how it ended. I do remember the 2013 game because – and I actually, and I, and I, and I knew this before I heard Jim Nance interviewed on uh, Parkinson Spiegel this afternoon. Nance, of course, is doing the Sunday's game. Yes, we got the A team, Nance and Romo. I get the Bears get two A teams in a week. Hot, hot off a four game get, losing, you get, you get Buck and Aikman on Thanksgiving. Yeah, just by virtue of being on Thanksgiving. But I'll, I remember this game uh, coming back. First of all, it was a huge rainstorm in the morning, and remember the family we were coming back from church and we could not get into like our area of the subject because like from every direction like the the sewers were backed up because it was it was like in october right in november maybe it was november is around this time of year so you still had a lot november of leaves. 17th so yes it was exactly of, eight years ago today how about that uh you had a lot of leaves uh yeah of course, that time of year that would uh, clog up the sewers. And so that's why you'd have flooding in the streets. And I remember like driving and then backing up and trying to find another entry. I, I managed to find one having to surf the car. And then it's like, okay, let's go in and watch the Bears game. And the Bears game started off uh, on t- in my memory. I thought the Bears game was delayed, but Jim Nance was there to, to fill me in, remi- reminding me that actually in this game, at some point in the second quarter, the PA announcer had to tell the fans to go get shelter yep. and they had to stop the game because there was an actual uh, signs of actual signs of tornado coming that close to the lake, the lakefront and soldier field. So pretty wild day. Yeah. Otherwise that was also the same day that there was damage done downstate. I think Washington, Illinois, somewhere in kind of central Illinois had fatalities. Uh, and I remember seeing like somebody's like yard sign ended up like in the backyard of somebody in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, so yeah, horrific weather day. Tom Skilling, I'm sure was agog well, and very busy. The bears clearly handled the weather delay better than the Ravens did. <laughs> Ravens had gotten off to a 10, nothing start. Uh, Ray Rice. That's all they need. That's all they need. It was a tornado. Ray Rice, whose life changed when he found out that in Las Vegas, there are cameras in the elevators. Uh, he ran for a, t- a touchdown run, and then Justin Tucker kicked a 52-yarder. Now the Bears would get on the board thanks to uh, one of the one of the great defensive players of in Bear history, uh, a guy that I don't remember at all, David Bass. 
the 24 yard interception return for Dick I Johnson. remember that play now. He was like a DB he caught he caught an interception like right around end. It was like a, just a bad throw by Flack. He didn't see him somehow. It was like, how, how how many yards was the run back? 24. Yeah, I, yeah, I was I remember it was a red zone like a borderline red zone touchdown. Then Torrey Smith got a 5 yard pass from Joe Flacco. And then I would guess cuz then the timing goes goofy on here. I would guess then so the Ravens are up 17 to 7 and that's when uh there's a timeout where, no, there's a tornado where <laughs> on the field. And everybody had to take shelter. And from that moment on, the Bears had their way. That's all uh, That's all we needed was a little tornado. Uh, and I want to say once again, the, the, the so this is, all right, so it's not a case of it being the third time the Bears went to the playoffs in seasons in which they played the Ravens and the uh, AFC uh, Central. Cause as we know, this season ended in bitterness. This was Mark Trestman's first season, but it was the second time the bears played the Ravens when the Ravens were defending Super Bowl champions. Yep. Cause that's what they did in all one. Uh, and once again, took, took the piss out of them. Thanks to uh, mother nature. Thanks so after, little... after the delay, Robbie gold kicked a couple of field goals. They cut it to 17-13. Then in the fourth quarter, Matt Forte caught a 14-yard pass from Josh McCown. So it was the Bears took a 20-17 lead. Justin Tucker tied it with three seconds to go. But in overtime, Robbie Gold made a 38-yarder. Okay. So this would have been during the Josh McCown's run of greatness. Correct. The 2013 uh, season when everything Tressman did on offense worked. It was a interesting time. Brief... Uh, just a brief, brief period of history. Uh, he completed passes to uh, Alshon Jeffrey, seven for 83 yards. Brandon Marshall caught four for 42. Martellus Bennett, four for two for 48. Earl Bennett, one for one. And, of course, Tony Fiametta. Um, I, I don't even know that I remember Tony Fiametta. Oh, he he didn't catch a pass. He was targeted. I don't know why he's a <laughs> Oh, too bad. Yeah. Sorry, Tony. Uh, big day from Adam Podlesh. I don't know, punter six punts for 38 yeah not that great um, yeah it was a, it was a it was a must win it was a big win for the bears they were fighting for contention it was it was just weird though like the whole the weather sort of cast a pall uh it was bizarre julius peppers eight to eight solo tackles three assists and two sacks that's our guy yeah he's really good so and, the bears uh, won 23 to 20. And Jim Nance was there. Him and Phil, I'm sure, very, very frightened by the weather. <laughs> and then the last time they played, you got to go back to the John Fox era. Which which means I check out because I won't. But you already had a spoiler invoking Tariq Cohen's yeah. name. October 15th, 2017, Mitch Trubisky was the Bears quarterback. Oh, then he, I should have been watching because I think that's what brought me back. Mitch had a huge game, 8 of 16 for 113 yards. Tariq Cohen threw a 21-yard touchdown pass to Zach Miller. Actually, that was so – Connor. remember Connor Barth? The Bears had a different kicker every week under John Fox. I do remember Connor Barth. And one I of did the, start coming You know, one of those kickers under John season. Fox, actually. Cairo, uh, right? In this season, Cairo Santos. Yep, yep. 2021 – um, NFL MVP Cairo Santos was on the 2017 Bears. He was hurt. 
They picked him up because the Chiefs had cut him because he pulled his groin or something. And the Bears well, were pretty it, sure he could kick his way through it. And I think he kicked in like four games, and then they had to put him on IR. And then uh, Ryan oh, Pace decided, decided, I don't know, I, we're going to pay real money to the weakest-legged right. kicker in the NFL, Cody not, not, not that, Not that anybody needs any more evidence uh, against Ryan Pace's uh, ability as a general manager, but the fact that both Eddie Pinero and uh, Cairo Santos were basically picked off the scrap heap and have succeeded. Just it's almost like middle reliever. Like like what do you what do you think what are you doing? It's like the sour brown effect. I mean throwing real money to kicker. Like a multi year contract. So So if I have this correctly, the Bears have only ever lost the Baltimore Ravens one time then? Twice. First no, twice. The first time in 01 and then 09. And the Ravens have generally been pretty tough that entire time. Unlike the Bears, but um, I did. I did want to take one minute here to uh, to do one uh, excursion, if I could, regarding football in Baltimore, because you know I know it does get confusing. We kind of you know follow it that we've covered in talking about the Browns this year. We covered um, the Browns' history from 1945. We did the Colts last year. We talked about the game in Baltimore, brought it up again tonight when the Bears, some of us have a living memory of the Bears playing the Baltimore Colts and Ditka breaking his uh, hand by punching a locker. Uh, But we didn't really go into the historical aspect. Not that I want to now. Football in Baltimore was a sort of a romantic thing commemorated, of course, in in, uh, what's his name? Uh, Barry Levinson's diner. But I wanted to share something that's kind of funny, uh, a story that my dad told me, and then a follow-up to it that I made a discovery on football reference. But uh, as I've discussed before, my dad, longtime fan, longtime season ticket holder, going back to the 50s. But I think this might have been either his first year as a season ticket holder, or maybe he was just at the game. He didn't know the year, but he tells me the story. The first time that he, you know, Johnny Unitas ever got into a game, nobody knew who he was. Baltimore Colts are in Wrigley Field. And he wasn't even in the program. Uh, but at some point in the game, he was introduced, um, you know, by the PA announcer as he came in. They, they didn't know who the number was. And I don't think the PA announcer did it first, but at some point made the announcement that uh, the quarterback is Johnny Unitas. <laughs> and that was a story that my dad would tell for years that, you know, he'd tell the story to, you know, focus. That's his funny anecdote. You know, Unitas, of course, would go on to become one of the all time great passing leaders whose number still. Uh, you know, look pretty well, especially when you're considering the era in which he worked. But I looked it up just to kind of back it up, and I was able to dig up uh, just to add. My dad, my dad is not even aware of the fact, or he didn't remember the fact because it was a Bears blowout yeah. in 1958 to 27. Good lord! And what's weird about Football References? Johnny Unitas is not listed in the passing stats below, but if you look above, he or maybe he he's credited with a touchdown pass. Uh, on, on Baltimore's first. But I looked up Johnny Unitas' game log. It was the second game he'd ever gotten into. Nine, he didn't throw a pass in the other one. 9 of 19, yeah, 31 he, yards and a touchdown and an interception. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so my dad wasn't aware. And I have to tell them this because I just made the discovery. But he actually was, in fact, uh, in attendance to witness not only Johnny Unitas' first uh, pass completion, but his first touchdown, as it turned out, happened against the Bears at Wrigley. George Blanda had quite a day. So Ed Brown was 9 of 13 for 195 yards and two touchdowns. Blanda was 6 of 6 for 65 yards and three touchdown passes. Efficient. Blanda wasn't fucking around. 
That was Blando's one good year as a quarterback, I think, because he was their quarterback when they got thrashed by the Giants in the 56 championship game. And I've said it before, my dad always considered uh, Blanda uh, a not good quarterback. If anything, he was a pretty good linebacker. But Blanda had a very fascinating career that would go far beyond that 56 season. Yeah, the Bears were only up 20-14 to 14 at the half and then outscored them 38-13 to 13 in the second half. A 58-27 <laughs> win. But I, I refer to Baltimore as a city that kind of had a romantic relationship with football back then. It's probably a little bit overblown, but that was played up a lot, much like it was when Cleveland moved out in 95. When, when Baltimore, when the Colts uprooted in the middle of the night, much was made of, you know, how, what a unique thing they had. I mean, you know, it's neat. It's cute. But, you know, they, they won two championships in the 50s, um, lucked into a Super Bowl. But, you know, that's... Uh, they had they had player. I guess the thing was that Baltimore is kind of a you know it's 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 an East Coast city, you know amongst all those other big East Coast cities, it's right near the Mason District. It's got its own sort of thing, and the Colts uh, I guess provided them a real sense of pride with you know Alan Amici and and as depicted of course in many of Barry Levinson's other films. <laughs> Do you think um, Arch Sleister? Is the reason the Colts had to leave Baltimore? I think he ran up ran up so many gambling debts that they just had to skip town. Because he played for him in eighty two, he was suspended for all of eighty three. When he came back, he, they were in Indianapolis. That's right. That doesn't make like a coincidence uh, to me. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you're not familiar with Arch Schleister. You know, if, and, you, and you listen, most of you, I'm sure, probably are knowing our demographic, but C H L I C H T E R. You think of that because he had a, a absolute pathological addiction to gambling and it got him in serious trouble. It's kind of, uh, you know, impressive that he didn't end up dead, but he burned a lot of people. It was really a horrible story. But he was one of two quarterbacks, of course, drafted uh, in the first round in the 82 draft ahead of um, Jim McMahon. I'm pretty sure. I don't. I don't think the Bears had the option of really starting. I, I I tremble to think. Although Jim Finks was in charge, so I'd like to give Jim Finks the benefit of the doubt and said he still would have taken McMahon. But you know, until Justin Fields came along, I don't think Ohio State quarterbacks really Art, have. Art went one pick ahead of, of Jim McMahon. Record. He was fourth. One pick. McMahon okay. went fifth. Well, thank God, because without the '85 season. <laughs> Would be, uh, I don't know. He, he'd probably worse. been fine in Chicago. It's not like you could, you, you couldn't gamble in <laughs> Chicago in the 80s. He'd have been fine. He couldn't have found anybody taking or, any action in any of his stuff. Right, right. Or he'd have just been, yeah, actually, like, he wouldn't have got suspended. He would have been killed. Right. <laughs> Art's <laughs> dead. Sorry. He'd be, he'd be, Art Schleister will not be, be playing today. Right. He was murdered last it, night. So. It'd be convenient considering how close to the Lake Soldier Field is yep. to just take care of him after a game in which uh, Art doesn't quite uh, <laughs> yeah. bring the bring the uh, bring the over bring the under. I should say it'd be funnier if he throws a touchdown pass that screws screws it up. Yeah, I mean, other than that, there's Burt Jones, right? Ball, football in Cleveland, commemorated in one of the more, uh, or commemorated in one of the more colorful Miller Lite commercials from the 70 that requires uh, L.C. Greenwood as the other end. That's on YouTube. Burt plays it up. They went to a few playoff teams with Burt Jones in the 70s, but the Colts outside of the football in Baltimore is pretty much just a, 
mid fifties to mid sixties. But uh, yeah, they yeah, missed out after they moved. They they missed out on the Jack Trudeau era. They didn't get to see that. Yeah, Gary Hogaboom, Jeff George. They didn't yeah. get to see Jeff George. Eric Dickerson in his prime gave him a season or two. Made, a, on, made, a, made his debut on Halloween, right? Made I think he did. Yeah, made a rare playoff appearance in '87. The Colts did, and before they went back in. Yeah, they've been fine as it turns out. They were a laughing stock uh, after they moved, so nobody probably made much of it. It wasn't like Baltimore leaves Cleveland and then within five years, uh, you know, already thumbing a championship at them. Uh, the the Colts couldn't quite do that to Baltimore for a while, not until they got uh, Manning, I guess. Well, first Marshall Falk, which they traded up for Edgerin, but Manning really. Well, I mean, just think how good they'd have been if instead of taking Peyton, they'd have taken Ryan Leaf. <laughs> there you go. They could have had another quarterback that went to jail. That would have been great. Brian Leaf went to jail? Yeah. Okay. For uh, robbing people's homes for drugs. I believe he so just went back about... again not too long ago. So far, we've mentioned three guys that have been jailed, uh, one of whom is Jamal died. Lewis. Jamal Lewis went to jail, too. Okay. And Ray Lewis Ray didn't. Lewis did not. Ray didn't. No, he did not. Ray was, no, he was not even arrested. Ray managed right? to get. He somehow the coat disappeared with all the blood on it, and um, yeah, he got. He actually though the other guys got acquitted. He plea bargained to obstruction of justice. He's the only one who actually got convicted of anything from that incident. So yeah, well there you go. I forget why Jamal Lewis went to jail. I'm sure it was drugs. Well, if it's drugs. And you're not Sam Hurd, then you're not bringing it. Mm-hmm. He spent four Might months in federal prison. Uh, four. I guess drugs. The CSPN thing is yeah. not uh, all that. Uh, Charge of using a cell phone to facilitate a cocaine transaction, yeah. so drug trafficking. He probably was on the phone with yeah. Sam Hurd. Could have been. Yeah. Could have been. Uh, uh, Jamal was uh, Miami, right? College? Tennessee. He's, is that what it was? Yeah, I think he was a Vol. Uh, Ray, Ray, Ray's the Lewis from Miami. Yeah. Good call. I think you're right. Well, uh, when you stack up, so even though the Ravens, so the Ravens can only claim 26 years of history, and yet they still have their all-time leading passer and receiver is has more yards than the Bears. And but they, they won't. Uh, Jamal's their leading rusher, I think, and he's nowhere near Walter. So hang my head on that. Who was their all-time leading passer? Someday, Flacco. You know, I looked it up earlier. I um, it seems like the only one that's stuck around for any. It would have to be Flacco. It would have to be Flacco. But yeah, so it's probably not obnoxiously more than the Bears. But it obviously, it doesn't have to be. Bears have a low bar, twenty three thousand. I want to say with color. Yeah, uh, Flacco thirty eight thousand. Yeah, and Derek, Derek Mason. Mason. He's barely. Ahead. He's ahead the, of Johnny He's Morris. the closest one to Johnny Morris. It's Derek. That's Mason. right. 75 yard, right? Johnny's just over 5,000, or yeah, it might be 700 and some odd yards. Still. I think Johnny's 5,500. Yeah. I think he's just barely over him. Okay. 
and that's you know that record will fall in our it's just the huh. law of averages. Yeah, Johnny bar- Brandon, Johnny's barely over five thousand five thousand incredible. The fact that Brandon Marshall nearly ran down that record in three years is all you need to know. So on, on the Johnny Morris's pro, uh, pro football reference page, they list positions for him. He's listed as flanker, but in nineteen fifty nine, he's listed as LH. What is that? Left half? What do you know what LH is? I think he may have been drafted as a running back, but wow, LH. Don't know. Yeah, he ran for 312 yards that year. He ran, um, that's the most, 87 times. He rushed 73 times in 60. Then they moved in a flanker. Then they got serious. Yeah. Yeah, He only has 1,000 yard season, 64. He made a count. Okay. He led the league in receptions and uh, yards and yards per catch. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, for his time, he was probably one of the top three receivers. I was slinging it to him in 64. Billy Wade? Billy Wade probably still. Yeah. I mean, even Wade. Wade did have a well, Rudy Bukic also started okay. four games that year. And they were better with Rudy. They only won five games. They were three and one in Rudy's four starts. So clearly, number fifteen should have gone to the great Rudy Bukic. Oh, yeah. Yep. Looking back at Bear history is always depressing. I don't know which is more depressing: looking back at the history or recapping the games week to week. Either way. It's a lot of fun. Well, I do, not to get too starry-eyed, but I do think the future looks bright, as long as we get those two dumbasses out of the way. Yeah. I don't want to get, I want to repeat what I said on the podcast last week with the other Mike, but uh, I think one dumbass, I think you're lucky if you get rid of one this year. I'll, I'll take it right now. I'll take it. I think Pace gets to hire another coach. I just, no. I it's, it's too easy for them they don't have to do any work if they keep him. They just tell him go find a new coach. Maybe if they fire him, then they gotta find. Then Ted and George have to do work. They have to go find somebody, and they don't know who to look for. So they're just gonna delay that shit, and they're just gonna let him pick another one. Well, thanks. He's I'll only old for well. two. Although he really didn't get to pick the first one. He he was he was he was given John Fox. He didn't hire John Fox. It all it all leads back to just just organizational dysfunction. You don't yeah. even know where it starts or begins. It begins or ends. It's just mind-boggling that they don't have like a real team president, like a football player, a football player, a football guy who's in charge of shit over there. Really, They've the got, same franchise. They that got the went, parking lot attendant running the damn yeah. team. The same franchise that went between 1987 and 2001 without a general manager. Yeah. I guess it tracks. Yeah, I mean, they're they they may have named the chairman of the board after the greatest coach they ever had, but and none of that shit seemed to have rubbed off. He doesn't know shit about football. No, does not. But hey, they've they've gone four and two against the largely successful Baltimore Ravens. So yeah, just the thing they need to get back on, so they get they beat the Ravens this week and then win on Thanksgiving. That's so a five and, and two. Woo, yeah, right yeah. back in the playoff hunt gonna be great can't wait i'm there i'm there for it all right well we'll see what happens so next uh so next up after this is the lions and uh, okay 
I'm sure we can still rehash some stuff there. I'm, I'm certain, even though we've we've talked about them a couple times. We've already that was our first rerun. I think we ran a, a lines, but we won't do that, folks. Anyone listening, we'll, we'll we're gonna do some fresh lines material. Yeah, who can get who can get enough? I mean, they keep on of getting, the lines. Really, that's a rabbit hole that you you could take you a long way to get back from. I saw way too much of that game Sunday, Lions Steelers, and. Like neither team. <laughs> what? You could tell. Yeah. Well, I was just watching Red Zone, but I it was out in Chicago, so I'll admit it was on. My, I and so the game was running, and I saw it was just the sheer absurdity of the things that were going on. Like, um, at, at the Steelers get the ball in overtime and immediately snap the ball over the quarterback's head and lose like thirty yards, and their the whole the whole possession is already effed before they did anything. It was just amazing. Yeah. And then they're basically in field goal range at the very end the of the game, were. and Pat, the great Pat right. Fryermuth, who lit up the Bears just five nights previous, fumbled, yeah. and the ball didn't. If the ball rolls out of bounds, kick field goal and win. Stays in bounds, right. Lions recover it, it's tied. Because they have a really good kicker, as we learned on Monday night earlier. So while watching that game, how many times are you like, did the fucking Bears lose to these guys? Well, we know how. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't because Ben was missing. Ben was no great shakes anymore either. But the best was uh, towards the end of regulation, the Lions got in a kind of fringy field goal range. It was maybe 50 yards, 49, something like that. And their little ki- their little kicker comes out with this terrible mustache. And he didn't kick the ball eight yards off the ground. It never had a chance. In fact, the announcer was like, was it blocked? And they wore the replay. No, it wasn't blocked. <laughs> it was just terrible. That's so Lions. Yeah. It was like went sideways and very low. It was not good. Oh yeah, there's a whole bucket full of uh, of those types of plays for the line. So, all right. Well, we'll worry about them next week. So, uh, look forward to it. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Andy. Many of us have herpes. 